And we welcome you into episode 13 of the best podcast available. The 2021 draft is in the rearview mirror. We've got a 90-man roster, and we look ahead to rookie minicamp, mandatory minicamp, and training camp leading up to the 2021 season. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and Gribbs. The Browns drafting eight guys, uh, maybe more than we thought they were going to draft over the weekend, but what a haul for Andrew Barry and company and and the job that they did, letting the draft fall to them, being aggressive when they needed to, and coming away with some outstanding talent uh, from the 2021 draft. Yeah, in hindsight, I wonder if it was just probably a little too difficult to get rid of some of those picks. I think you didn't see a ton of teams obtaining future 2022s because I think everyone wanted to hold on to those. But eight players it is instead of nine that you entered with. Thankfully, you did not make the number 257 pick in the draft to to the delight of everyone covering the Browns draft. But you're right. I mean, this this was about, I think, when you look at the picks and where they were allocated, probably what you would have expected. I I don't know if I would have predicted a running back getting selected in this draft, but uh, they added a player that's not really your traditional running back in Demetrik Felton, but really hitting all the areas you thought the Browns would probably hit with the exception of edge rusher, which was the one position that probably wasn't addressed that you thought might have been. But you get the corner you wanted in the first round, and you get a heck of a steal in the second round in Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. And then your offensive positions that you address are the ones that we probably pegged going into this. And that's a wide receiver and an offensive tackle. So uh, basically a lot of these players, some of them are going to compete and play right away, but most part, these look like long-term investments that are going to be names that you're going to be hearing about maybe not in 2021, but, but years down the road here. now. All right, let's break down the draft class, the 2021 Browns draft class, Greg Newsom, the second falling to us at pick 26. I, I think we had all hoped that that would be the case. But when we did our mock two days before the NFL draft, I don't think any of us, not you, not me, not Nathan Zagura, thought that Newsom would still be there at 26 yet. Here we were on Thursday night and Newsom kept falling. Teams making some questionable questionable picks. And all of a sudden, Greg Newsom is a Cleveland Brown. What does he bring to the table here? Well, I mean, he's just a solid uh, corner that is ascending as a player. I mean, he's only 20 years old. As I noted that night, the first player in Brown's history to be to be born in the 2000s, which Anthony Schwartz also joined him uh, the next day. So he's got a lot of football ahead of him. He play, He was one of the main reasons why it, Northwestern looked so tough against Ohio State in that Big Ten championship. Really just didn't allow any big plays last year. Uh, was a monster on third downs, didn't allow any completions there. Uh, and just a player that uh, fits what this team wants to do at the cornerback position and is someone that's going to come in and compete right away with Greedy Williams for some starting reps. But again, if Greedy beats him out, not the end of the world. I think you've got a situation where he can grow and develop uh, and become a corner for this team for, for years to come. But like you said, I didn't expect him to be there at 26. I got real nervous when those corners went eight and nine back to back. I did not expect that to happen uh, with J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. But then there was that lull there in the, in the teens where then it started to look a lot better. I think that more offensive players kept getting drafted over and over again. I was feeling really good when the Raiders took Alex Leatherworth. I was feeling really good that Alex Jones, that Mac Jones went at number 15 to the Patriots. So all the things started to fall the Browns way. And I do wonder, and this is obviously something we'll never know the answer to. What if the Titans chose Newsom at 22 over Caleb Farley? 
Then what did the Browns do at 26? Was he someone that was on the Browns radar? We'll never know that, uh, but but everything worked out the, the way we wanted it to. And, and you got the corner that fits what you want to do, fits the personality type you want on this team, uh, kind of a home run at 26. Yeah, no question. He is a confident young man, and, and his play has backed it up at Northwestern. We're excited to have Greg Newsom the second. Uh, at pick 52, might have been the guy you would have taken at 26 had the Jags or Titans grabbed Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame, linebacker. Um, right now he's a linebacker, but he's definitely a guy that can play all over the field for you defensively. Some people had him going as high as 15 or 16 in this draft. On Mel Kuyper's big board, he had him in, in the mid-teens. And here's a guy that falls to the Cleveland Browns at pick number 52 and Boy, the, the Browns were at 59. They had to make a trade up with Carolina. They found a trade partner. They gave up one of those third-round picks. I know you had an interesting tweet over the weekend. Like, this is, you know, remember, these are picks that you acquire the year before or two years earlier, they can come back and be big-time helpful in terms of making a move. And this is what the Browns did to go up and get uh, Owusu Koromoa. Yeah. So the Browns, the previous year, you know, they moved back in the third round and acquired that extra third rounder. And I think, and they didn't necessarily part with that, that pick, they kept this, that pick that they acquired from the saints, but I think you're more likely to then give up a third round pick to make a move like that. If you only had one third round pick, you're maybe a little bit more hesitant to make a move in the second round, the way the Browns did, but that's exactly the kind of uh, arsenal you like to build. And I think that's why, uh, it was it was smart of Andrew Barry to add another fourth round pick for for the 2022 draft. You just have it gives you extra wiggle room, extra maneuverability, and then the Browns were able to capitalize on that. Interestingly, I think this is safe to say third straight year the Browns in the second round have picked a player that was routinely mocked in the first round. I mean, I think that's the, the that that just doesn't usually happen very often. And it's interesting. It's the third straight year the Browns have made a trade in the second round. They moved up to get Greedy Williams. They moved back to take Grant Delp, but now they move up to take Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and really didn't have to part with much uh, to do so. I think that one of the draft uh, analytics sites pegged it as the Browns give up the equivalent of a sixth-round pick to basically make that move up because they did add that, uh, that fourth-round pick in the process. So uh, a great move to get a player that clearly they targeted. If you move, make a move up, that's someone that you really like. And, and the fact that we – just you see the joy in the in the coaches the in GMs about getting this player where they did. Uh, clearly someone they ranked much higher than 52 on their board. And a guy that just kept falling. I mean, through the yeah. night. Now, now we know Adam Schefter has reported, you know, there were there were some questions medically about his heart, but you know, clearly the Browns docs cleared him, and a number of other docs uh, reportedly had cleared him as well. So uh, excited to have the young man from Notre Dame and uh, a guy that Joe Woods, I think, is uh, is salivating to use and, and put all over that defense. Third round to wrap up the night. Obviously, we only had one pick after trading that uh, other third to Carolina, but a pick 91, you get the speedster. You get the fast wide receiver, maybe one of the fastest players, as Dane Brugler told us on Browns Daily earlier in the week, maybe one of the fastest players now in the National Football League. And Anthony Schwartz, Six feet tall, 186 pounds out of Auburn. Uh, a guy that can stretch the defense and stretch the field for you. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Browns are, are 
are able to figure out what to do with him because I think he can do a lot of different things. And I don't think his potential has been tapped into yet as a receiver. Uh, I think it's, it's not out of line to say Auburn's quarterback play was uh, not great. Uh, these, the last, the, while Anthony Schwartz was hitting his prime, uh, I was told by someone down there, it seemed like he caught most of his passes behind the line of scrimmage and just didn't have a lot uh, of wiggle room to do anything with. He would get end arounds behind wide receivers that couldn't block. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot to like about his potential. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of him running end rounds around uh, arguably some of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL that the Browns have uh, in Jarvis Landry, Odell, Daryl Hodge, all those guys can really block. And I, I think that it just gives you something in this offense that really wasn't there uh, last year. And I, I think you had it a little bit in Odell when he was there the first half of the year, but he was also your number one wide receiver. When you have someone that has this skill set and also doesn't have the responsibilities of your number one wide receiver, it can really change things up. And if you have someone that can stretch the field and open things up a little bit more for Odell and Jarvis, I mean, that, that really helps you. So I, I think this is just a new element to the Browns offense that again, a 20 year old player, a lot in front of him, Olympic track speed. I almost think of him almost like Marquise Goodwin when he, we, when he joined the league, uh, there's just a lot to like. And I, I like that Chad O'Shea is going to be able to get his hands on him. And you saw what he was able to do with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what you can get, get out of Anthony Schwartz this year. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the talent is there. Now the now it's up to our staff to develop him, and, and that will be exciting to see. And you've got a good one in Chad O'Shea that's able to do that. We move on to day three, fourth-round picks. Uh, we were going to have three of them. <laughs> we, we got rid of one, moved back a little bit. But uh, with our first pick, we take that swing tackle that we have been talking about needing. James Hudson, 6'5", 313 pounds from Cincinnati. Uh, a, a guy that started off on the defensive side of the football, moved to the offensive line, has that nice tenacity that uh, you bring from the defensive side, didn't give up a sack at Cincinnati. And as a guy that you're able to, you know, you're able to develop and bring him along and, and have him learn from some of the guys in front of him on that offensive line. Yeah. And I think that with, with Hudson, it, this is very similar to the pick you made last year with Nick, with Nick Harris. I mean, that you, the Browns are set at tackle with Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin this year. You've also got Chris Hubbard on the roster, so it's not like you need him to step in right away as your number one swing tackle option. Also had a Greg Sinat in the offseason, another tackle option. So that's five players on this roster uh, capable of playing tackle in, in the NFL. You also have Alex Taylor in the roster as well. So that's, that's six tackles, which is a lot more than this team had last year. I think that, uh, honestly – even though you had some small minor injuries that Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin had to deal with last season, but you never had to deal with kind of the big one, like that Wyatt Teller had that kept him out for long stretches. So dodge the bullet there with needing guys to step in. Uh, but I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a position where you can truly have never too many guys. And I think Hudson has not played a lot of football at, at left tackle. So there's a lot of work to do, but a good value there for someone that had a tremendous 2020 season. Well, and again, you got good coaching. You got good coaches yeah. in the building that are able to coach him up. And clearly, Stefanski and company saw something that they liked in the young man out of Cincinnati. Later on in the fourth round, Tommy Togiai, the defensive tackle out of Ohio State, coming to the Browns. Dane Brugler uh, was talking about him and said, this guy was probably the MVP of the Ohio State defense down the stretch last year when Ohio State made their run uh, to the Big Ten championship game. And then in the Clemson game, arguably was one of the top players on defense that night uh, in the national semifinal. So 
Togiai comes here and he fills a, a void and we'll get into it. We've added quite a few. We now have eight guys in that defensive tackle room, but Togiai, uh, an intriguing uh, prospect out of Ohio state. Yeah. The room has doubled since the, the start of the draft and Togiai was kind of the first one to add there. And I, again, I like, it looks like he had, they like his ability as a pass rusher, but really he's, he's going to be in there and help you stop the run. And I, I look at him some as someone that can, help you out with maybe Andrew Billings' spot and, and give you a good rotational player. But again, with the amount of players they added to this room, not a lot of pressure on Togiai to step in and have to play a lot right away. I think all, uh, I just think you have a lot of uncertainty in that room. So the competition really is wide open. Like Malik Jackson is coming off a, a tough year. I mean, Andrew Billings did not play last year. Jordan Elliott was a rookie and didn't play a ton last year. So if he's a, able and ready, the snaps are there, but again, at the same time, you don't need him to, I think you've got enough options uh, of players that have proven themselves in the league. It's just, who's going to be the best four that you bring into this year. And I think Togiai has a really good chance. And again, a, a value, uh, not only a fan favorite pick Browns fans always love when you pick Ohio state players. I, I think that that was, that made a lot of folks happy, but someone that, that is just truly a, a physical freak with what he can do on the bench press and, and someone that, to me, whenever you look at those numbers, and this is like a combine tirade, but like I, I, I don't get lost in the numbers of something like the bench press or anything like that. I look at it as like this guy worked really hard to get to that level, and I think that that, that kind of commitment to something uh, works well with what they want from players on this team. I would agree with that 100%. It's not about the numbers. It's it's prepping and taking yeah. the time to prep for, for that. There's something to be said for that. Uh, taking a look uh, in the fifth round, the Browns go out and get a linebacker. They get safety in the sixth round. Demetric Felton, the running back out of UCLA. Tony Fields, the linebacker from West Virginia. Account the safety from Georgia. Uh, you know, just guys that are going to be able to compete for roster spots. And guys that, again, because of your roster size and the talent already on your roster, allows these three guys, I think, to really take the time to develop. And, and you you can develop these guys. There's some talent here that we took late in the draft that maybe gets overlooked because it is day three of the draft. Yeah, and I think that it's weird. Of the three, I think like I, I think Demetric Felton has the best chance probably to come in right away and, and give you something you don't have. I, I liked Lance Zerline's uh, comparable with him to Theo Riddick, you know, the former D uh, Detroit Lions running back who's really built like a wide receiver and – uh, really came away with more receptions than he did uh, rushes. I mean, clearly with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you don't need anyone really to step in and fill the void from a running standpoint. But And I know Kareem can catch the ball really well, but this gives you a new element on someone that can tr truly line up in the slot for you if you need to. Uh, just a lot of different things he's capable of doing. And I think that uh, I, it'll be intriguing. Again, I don't want to go nuts about a six-round pick and, and what they can do right away, but – this is, again, a different element that you really don't have on, on the roster with guys on hand. Fields, to me, is more of a tipping, more of an indication on the direction this team is going at linebacker because another player that's built like uh, Owusu Koromoa, a little bit on the lighter side, uh, but just a, a truly productive player produced at both Arizona uh, and West Virginia. And then Richard LeCount, another one that was a big producer on the field at Georgia, had, had a, just big numbers, eight interceptions over his career, a big hitter as well just had a rough pro day and it was coming off of uh, he, had, he was a few months removed from the motorcycle accident. 
So just his times weren't great. And I think that that led him to, to slipping in the draft a little bit, but a guy that played a lot of snaps, a lot of, uh, a lot of starts at, at, at a school like Georgia. Uh, I think that it's a good, it's a good value to get in the fifth round in a safety room that really uh, is loaded with guys that, that you don't necessarily need him to fill in right away. So you look at him as special teams. And then the draft wraps up and the Browns for the second consecutive year. Last year, it was AJ green this year. Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle out of Florida State. The Browns win a bidding war, basically, and end up with the undrafted defensive tackle from Florida State. 6'4", 303 pounds, appeared in 39 games, 19 starts, nine and a half sacks, 110 tackles. Um, his th three block kicks in 2020, second team all ACC in 2020. And here's a guy that just you know, just fell a little bit, fell out, ended up falling out of the draft. The Browns, right place, right time, had done their homework and already reached out and had a head start on him, and they're able to lock him in. And, and another guy that, again, if you're Chris Kiffin, you got to be ecstatic with how your defensive line room is looking. Yeah, I mean, great pedigree with him. I think he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. I think for him, it was one of those where his 2020 just wasn't as good as, as his 2019 season, so I think that – contributed to the fall. Uh, it's, it's interesting. He's listed uh, at 303 now. I think he at Florida State, he was listed 319. So coming in a little bit uh, lighter than he was in college, that's that's something to, to keep an eye on that it could be in a lot better shape as well. So again, another body that you're throwing at a position where there could be an opportunity to, to break through. And I, I think that with, when you see these highly priced undrafted free agents, they're guys that are probably could have been seventh round pick. Uh, that it just made more sense to the teams that it might, might even be more intriguing for them to be on undrafted free agents. Cause I think the same with AJ green uh, last year, but as we saw with AJ green, just cause you get this big deal and, and just cause everything it, it's, it's still really hard to make a competitive roster. And this is a very competitive roster. I mean, the, 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 the and you think about it too, Gibbs, you've been with this, with the Browns in some ways since I think 2013, 2012, I've been with the, the Browns since 2014. This is by far, the smallest undrafted free agent class the team has signed. I mean, only five players. I think last year the Browns signed 15. Uh, and it, so this is, that just shows the level, the caliber uh, that this, this roster is at right now. Uh, and it's, it's going to be real challenging for any of these five guys uh, to, to make the team and, and, and really let alone practice squad. Cause there's just a lot of, lot of, lot of talent uh, to, to beat out for these spots, but it, 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 we see it all across the league. Patriots have had undrafted free agents stand out. All the good teams have undrafted free agents break through. So, so the Browns shouldn't be any different. It's just the, the opportunities there for them. Yeah, it really is. When you take a look at this roster as a whole, and again, after the draft ended, the Browns were pretty active. They got defensive tackle Malik McDowell, defensive tackle Damian Square. Um, again, like all of a sudden there's eight defensive tackles. Now you've got upwards of 10, 11 linebackers <laughs> in that room. Um, guys, you know, positions that we thought might have some shortages. I mean, you have an overabundance of talent and training camp is just going to be fascinating to watch and see how this all plays out because ultimately there are some people that are going to get cut that are going to be on other rosters on opening day and playing meaningful snaps for other teams. Yeah. The position, the, the two that are probably the most wide open or most intriguing are probably corner and D tackle in terms of the competition. And I think the interesting thing is uh, when you look at defensive tackle specifically, it's, it's almost as if 
the, the Browns have been known to, to sign a lot of guys that are hitting the prime of their career coming off their first contract, but a defensive tackle, you added two veterans that suddenly become two of the oldest guys on the team and in Malik Jackson uh, and Damian square, who's 32. So he's the second oldest guy on the team has played a lot of football. I mean, I covered him at Alabama uh, way back when, I mean, he was on the 2012 uh, team that won the national title. I mean, he's been, he's been in the league for a while. I mean, this is a guy that came out of Alabama as an undrafted free agent really just found his niche uh, with the chargers and, and, and was just a key rotational guy for them for so many years. Uh, so I, I think that there, it really, I wonder for, especially for the D tackle room where they like, we need some more veteran savvy. We need to fill in where, where the, the void that, that Sheldon provided in, in that room. And I, I, that's, I think that to me was, was intriguing to add two guys that uh, are, are nearing the end of their careers, uh, but still have something left to give. Yeah. And, and I think it, it will be interesting. I, I, I got a feeling that there's probably still a little question, you know, with Billings sitting out last year, right. You know, you, you don't know when a player sits out for a year, what they're going to be like coming back. And that no. No one questions, you know, anybody that, that sat out, you know, same Drew Forbes coming back, you know, you just don't know. It's the same thing with the college kids that opted out and didn't play for a year. You really don't know how they're going to come back and how they're going to respond. And, you know, I think you're just bolstering those positions with talent and competition and let the best players rise to the top and let's move forward with it from there. But Man, there is a lot going on on this football team and a lot of different things to watch and all in a positive way. You know, we're, we're not looking, you know, we're not wondering how many undrafted guys are going to make the team. I mean, you're wondering, are the guys that were drafted late in the rounds going to make the football team? Yeah. No, I mean, we went into this thinking that the team would even make eight picks and it ended up being eight. So, I mean, again, it'll be interesting. I think the, the guys in the first four rounds are typically – pretty safe. I mean, I've been around to see a fourth round pick get cut and in, in Vince yes. Maley uh, in 2015. So it, it definitely can happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it gives it the one position though, that did not get addressed. And I, I think could potentially be viewed as a very good weekend for a guy like a Porter Gustin, a Cameron Malvo is, is the edge rushers. And I, I think that was the one position that didn't get addressed. You did in free agency, obviously with Tack McKinley and Jadavian Clowney. But again, I think that's an endorsement for a Porter Gustin and, and what he was able to do. Uh, last season and, and kind of showed that the Browns weren't going to reach for some players just to, to add a body to the position. And I think that as you saw, I think some of these edge rushers that maybe we had pegged as second round guys ended up falling because uh, I think teams weren't sold. The Bengals took Joseph Asai in the third round. I think some people had him even going in the first round. I, I think you've had the issues with the, the player in Tennessee, Rashad Weaver, that was a pegged as like a second round guy went in the fourth round and then lo and behold, there's, there's a, uh, an arrest that, that was out for it. So it, it, it's, it was not a great, we knew this going in, not a great edge rusher class. And it turned out that it wasn't even as highly ranked as we thought it would be. Yeah. No, I, I think not just defensive tackle, but edge rusher, you know, I think both yeah. defensive line. I mean, we had heard defensive tackle, well, after the top two, there's, there's a fall off. Well, you know, you, you were able to get the defensive tackle out of Ohio State in round four, and you were able to sign Marvin Wilson uh, as an undrafted free agent. But, you know, I think, again, that's why you bring in a couple vets and see how things play out. And more importantly, you bring in guys that have chips on their shoulders for, from either a draft standpoint where they were drafted or 
guys with something to prove. I mean, it goes back to Tack McKinley at defensive end, you know? I mean, you can make the argument it's his last chance to, to prove yeah. himself. And, you know, a lot of these guys with something to play for here in 2021, and that, that will only help the competition with this football team. That's a look at the Browns 2021 draft hall. For more on our draft hall, uh, I had a chance to sit down with defensive tackle Marvin Wilson from Florida State, undrafted guy that was in demand when the draft ended and the Browns ended up with him. Here's a look and a listen to that conversation. And here on the best podcast available, we are happy to be joined by Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle, Florida State, and the newest member of the Cleveland Browns, a very a very popular player, a player that was in demand uh, as the draft wound down and uh, a player that ended up coming here to the CLE. We could not be more excited. Marvin, appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us and uh, excited to have you here. What has the past week been like for you and your family? I'm sure uh, a roller coaster of emotions here over the last few days. Uh, most definitely, you know, um, the draft didn't go as, as planned for me personally, you know, um, went going undrafted. So, you know, uh, it definitely was a roller coaster, you know, really a lot of downs, not a lot of highs, you know, but at the same time, you know, I got an opportunity to go out to Cleveland, you know, show everybody what I can do. You know, that's all I can ask for. You did have a number of teams asking about you. Why Cleveland? Um, Cleveland just seemed like the perfect uh, situation for me. You know, um, the defense they run, you know, type of guys they have on. I'll be playing with, especially on the defensive side, from uh, from the DN standpoint, D tackles, and really the linebackers and DBs. You know, just seeing this seem like a great place for me to be, come in and get it, get in where I fit in. All right, so you're from Houston. You mm -hmm. played in Florida. Has anybody warned you about the weather here in December? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm not worried about the cold weather. No, I'm ready to embrace it. Good, good. It's it's fun especially in December when uh, when the team is playing well and, and winning football games. It's a lot of fun, and the cold really doesn't matter that much. So yes, sir. Uh, that being said, you know, it, it gets a little dicey. It, it's finally perking up. The summers here are, are quite nice, yes, uh, as we talk to Marvin Wilson here. Now, are you back home in Houston right now? Yes, sir. I'm in Houston right now. So I'm just out here working out, you know, getting ready to go, go to Cleveland. Okay. Um, a pretty big high school football player, an mm -hmm. amazing high school career in demand scholarship offers from LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio state, Florida state. You end up going to Florida state. Why'd you go Florida state? You know, I'm coming out of high school. You had Jimbo Fisher there. You know, you had great guys like Derwin James, Derek Noddy, you know, Josh Sweat, you know, Brian Burns, this can go on and who I was going to come in and play behind, you know, and I uh, really learned from. So, you know, Florida State seemed like a place to be for me, you know, uh, especially with Coach Adele Higgins. You know, I came in, um, I was like probably ninth on the depth chart. We had like eight D tackles in front of me. So, you know, I came in and competed, you know, just get on the field, you know, it just taught me a lot of toughness going in, you know, just going throughout my career. It didn't, like, when it when, when loss-wise, it didn't go as I planned. But at the same time, it's like I learned how to compete, you know, come in every single day and get better. So, you know, that was probably the best opportunity for me to go in. Was that the biggest challenge for you? Uh, yes, most definitely. Um, especially me, uh, just coming from um, my past, past uh, like high school, middle school. You know, I always been a winner. You know, I never, never, never had no felt with losing season. Felt like you know, I always was in championship or one championship. So you know, uh, it's definitely we got a different perspective of you know playing football. You know, not when things don't go your way, and you know, just being able to get up every single day and work hard. You know, 
man, dust, dust off yesterday and today is a new day. You had the opportunity to come out a, a year ago. You chose not to. Why, uh, why go back to school for one more year? Because uh, there's a lot of things I need to improve on as a getting ready to be a pro. You know, um, I feel like playing-wise, I definitely was there. But, you know, just as for watching film, you know, how to break down my opponent, you know, give my coach Odell to learn more. You know, I feel like I need to get a lot of things I need to polish up on more before I go to the next level. How much did your coaches help you, not just from a, a football uh, mindset and skill level in terms of development, but just developing as a person over the last few, four years? Um, a lot, you know, especially getting with Coach Odell. You know, I've got to get four years with him, you know, one of the best, to me, the best coach in college football, you know, for the tackle position, you know, and I got to, really got to get with him. He taught me how to handle myself on and off the field, you know, be a great person be a great leader, you know, just knowing how to do everything the right way. That's pretty cool. Uh, and that's, uh, you can only hope to have those kind of relationships. I think when you go off to college, the, mm -hmm. you're able to have a guy like that, a coach like that, that can help you not just, you know, we, we talk so much about developing people as players, but how about developing people as people? And I think mm -hmm. that there's something to be said for that. Most definitely. All right. Most memorable game at Florida State. Well, I'll probably say Louisville, my uh, 2019, or probably Boise State. You know, those two games, I felt like um, one we won, one we lost, but two games that was really fun. You know, I feel like us as a defense, not just me having a great time making plays, but just us as a team, as a mindset, we was all on one accord and went out there and just had fun. You know, so uh, definitely say part of those two games. Talking with Marvin Wilson, Wilson undrafted defensive tackle out of Florida State, choosing to come to Cleveland, and we're excited to have him in that defensive tackle room here on the best podcast available. Two siblings. You're the youngest of three? Yeah, I'm the youngest of three. I'm the youngest of four. 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 Okay. Brothers, sisters, what do you got? I got one sister and two brothers. Okay. What was that like growing up in Houston? No, uh, it wasn't that, that bad because like my two of my my older siblings are a lot older than me, so you know I really grew up in the house with uh, Jonathan. That's my handicapped brother, so you know um, it wasn't that it wasn't that bad. But, you know, uh, we had our challenges from time to time. What did you learn from your your brother uh, that's closest to you, age wise? Uh, most definitely patience. You know, um, being able to help out with him. You know, the different things he struggled with on a day to day basis. So I feel like I learned patience more than anything uh, just being around him. And talk about your relationship with your mother. You know, I, I think that that's in doing some research, you clearly have a close knit relationship. And, and you know, usually an, an athlete coming out, especially this time of year, coming into the uh, the professional ranks, they relate back to, to a parent, whether it's a mother, whether it's a father. Talk about the relationship with your mother, because it's, I think it's one that's maybe people don't realize how strong it is. Uh, it's very strong, you know, um, just watching my mom, you know, provide every single day, you know, especially despite the uh, challenges that we faced growing up here in Houston. So, you know, I just saw my mom, uh, no matter what the situation was, uh, she got up every single day and went to work and made a way for us. So, you know, um, that's one thing I took into going into my work, you know, no matter what challenge I'm faced, uh, every single day you got to get up and you got to go make it happen. So, you know, um, I definitely watch my mom, you know, make it happen every single day. She did not take it easy on you. If, nah. I, if I recall reading a few things, um, you know, telling you to leave stuff off the doorstep when you came in. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that you've bounced a lot of advice off of her. You two, again, very close. 
Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So, you know, I'll just no matter what challenge I, I go through, she uh, she calls it hit, hit the door every single morning. You know, whatever you're facing on outside of your place of work, you hit the door, you leave it at the door, and you, and you go be the best person you can around the people that you work with. And once you leave, you pick up all your problems, you know. So that's probably one of the best pieces of advice my mom ever gave me, going, which is growing up. Talking with Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle from Florida State and the newest member of the Cleveland Browns here on the best podcast available. Talk a little bit about coming to Cleveland and if you've had a chance, what the message has been from Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski uh, as it relates to coming here. What, uh, what did they do to tell you? What did they do to sell you on this football team? Well, honestly, I have opportunity, you know, and I'm being an undrafted guy, you know, I'm just coming in. I have opportunities to make the team, you know, that's more than I can ask for, you know, being an undrafted free agent, you know, have opportunity to come in and compete for a spot, you know, and make the roster. So, you know, that's all I need, you know, me, just me just being me, uh, especially coming from Florida State, my freshman year, being overweight and things like that, I still was able to crack the lineup, uh, beating, out, beating out four to five other guys just to make make it to the second to third string. So, you know, um, me being uh, Pat, the past struggles that I faced, that's all I need was the opportunity to come and show what I can do. So, you know, I, that's all I need to hear. When you take a look at everything that's happened in the last year and change with this pandemic, with COVID-19, um, you know, it, it impacted obviously the college football season last year. It impacted how the off season was this year leading up to the draft and not having a combine for the first time ever. Um, and now you get into a setting where, you know, outside of the rookie mini camp, it's going to be virtual for the most part. So what are the biggest challenges that face you and what have you learned from the last year that you think can help you overcome some of those challenges? Um, really just being able to just continuously work every single day, you know, uh, you know, just being away from all the guys, you know, not being able to get that one on one with coaches and things like that. Being in that environment, get to get to get used to everybody. You know, you got to make yourself better every single day. So, you know, one thing you can do away from everybody else, continue to improve yourself. So um, that's one biggest thing I learned throughout the pandemic and just this last season is learn how to continue to be better every single day when nobody else is watching. And that goes back to, you know, being able to work out, being disciplined. You know, we we were just talking before we started. I know you just got to work out in, but it, it's all about being disciplined enough to know what you have to do so that you are ready to go come training camp uh, at, in late July. Most definitely. Talking with Marvin Wilson from Florida State. How do you fit into Joe Wood's scheme? Has, has Coach talked to you at all about that? Have you have you seen anything with a playbook or anything like that yet? Oh, yeah, I was just starting to get my meetings, you know, getting uh, for me going through the basic of basics of our first couple of plays in the playbook. You know, and me just me just getting used to it, get a feel of what uh, Coach want. You know, uh, that's that's the type of uh, coach I came from, Coach Odell. Whatever Coach wants, you got to provide it. You know, and so me me being a player I am, you know, I want to come in and whatever Coach uh, coach him, him and Coach Giffen want, me, want for me out on the D-line, I'm going to give it. So uh, they want to be a very attack, attack, not a react defensive tackle. You know, go out and cause disruption. You know, and cause havoc in the backfield. So you know that's what coach gonna get out of me. You know, being able to load my hands on the ground and get off and go cause disruption. Joe Woods was already flying high on cloud nine since free agency with all that this team's done uh, on the defensive side of the football. And then the draft happens, and then I heard he saw your tape and that you were coming, and they had to talk him off the ledge. He was so excited. He is, he's pretty fired up about what he's seen from you and, and, and what you can do. And I know Chris Kiffin is as well. 
what's coach Kiffin talked to you about uh, and what it's, what has it been like the first couple of days in that defensive line room that that's pretty big. And they got a guy named Garrett in there as well. That's pretty uh-huh. good football player. Um, most of really just, I've been having one-on-one meetings first, uh, for first couple of times, you know, I don't had two meetings so far. So um, I really haven't got to really meet with everybody else, you know, get to know them and just really start picking, picking people's brains. But um, the first couple of meetings have been very basic, you know, just getting to know everybody, I mean, getting to know each other, you know, getting to know the basis of defense, you know, what coach, what coach want, wants out of me, you know, what's the expectations of being a Cleveland Brown. So, you know, we're getting really throughout the basics right now. Okay. Has, have you heard from anybody on the team? Have some of the guys reached out to you at all? Uh, Jordan Elliott reached out to me uh, when I, we first heard I got uh, I, I went signed to the team. You know, um, he's a Houston guy. I knew him throughout high school, so you know, um, it's good to hear from him when I first when I first signed. That's awesome. He is. We like him quite a bit. We think mm-hmm. he, we we think he's quite the talent. All right. Before I let you go, Marvin Wilson. Poetry. Have you won awards? Am yeah, I correct I in, in knowing that you've won an award for poetry? Yeah. Yeah, I won one in high school. Uh, definitely, definitely. When I was very adamant at writing poetry, it was definitely in high school. I won. Um, I forgot what, what which award it was. Uh, but yeah, I entered, entered one of my poems, and I definitely won the award. I, I can tell you, it is the Silver Key Scholastic uh, Arts Award. Yes, sir. Uh, you still write? Uh, from time to time, yes. Okay. All right. Is, is it? What got you into that? No, really, just uh. Me just being a way to express myself, you know, uh, only to other way I know how to express myself was football field, you know, to take my anger out. So, you know, um, definitely writing came into my like proportion uh, of how I express myself during uh, high school. You know, I got into creative writing. You know, it was an elective that coach just threw me in at one point, and then I ended up just liking it after a while. Marvin Wilson, we appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on, on becoming a Cleveland Brown. We are excited to have you. I'm excited to see you next week up here at Rookie Minicamp. And, Really excited to see when the pads come on here in late July, early August, uh, what, what you can bring to this football team. Congratulations on everything. Welcome to the team. Give mom a big hug. Tell mom to come. Like we got a pretty good, we got a, we got a pretty cool city. I think you're going to like it. So um, wish you all the best of luck and look forward to seeing you and talking to you next week when you're here in Cleveland. Yes, I appreciate you having me. All right, that's Marvin Wilson. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel. Thanks to Andrew Gribble. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.